get a bit emotional. I think it was about a couple weeks when I got back and the local club put on a ceremony for me. I think that was the, the day where everything kind of sunk in. I could sit back, I could watch clips of the game and um, just got really emotional about it. Welcome to SI's Planet Football Podcast, where each week we discuss the latest in the world of soccer. I am SI.com soccer editor, Avi Creditor, joined today by SI.com's Leave You Bird. Today's podcast being produced by Alex Abnos. Welcome to the podcast team, my man. Uh, a little bit later in the show, we're going to talk about uh, Seattle and MLS and some of the moves that, that they've made to try and get back on track. We've also got a, a clip of an interview with Jens Lehmann, who stopped by Sports Illustrated this week uh, to talk about the Bundesliga, among other things. Uh, you might be noticing that Brian Strauss and Grant Wall are both not here. They're both taking some really well-deserved time off. Uh, so to fill that void, we felt the need to go kind of big, and it doesn't really get much bigger than Women's World Cup Golden Ball winner, U.S. Women's National Team star midfielder, and Houston Dash star midfielder, Carly Lloyd. So without further ado, Carly Lloyd, welcome to the Planet Football Podcast. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, women's national team back in action for the first time since lifting the World Cup trophy this Sunday in Pittsburgh against Costa Rica. It's the beginning of the victory tour. Uh, Carly, you're joining us, uh, what, less than 12 hours after playing an NWSL game. This is kind of what life has been like since the World Cup for you. A lot of, a lot of appearances, a lot of, a lot of different things thrown into the mix. Yeah, it's been uh, crazy. I just hopped on a red eye from Seattle back to New Jersey for a day and a half before we meet up uh, in Pittsburgh with the national team. And yeah, life's been crazy. I feel like I wake up every morning and, and I'm not sure what state I'm in, but uh, it's it's been good. I've been embracing it all and really taking it in and enjoying every moment of it. At what point would you say the World Cup sunk in for you but whether it's you know your performance that the team winning it all just I, I feel like there was such a whirlwind after the fact that might take a little bit to to kind of just take a second and be like wow that that actually happened yeah it's pretty it's pretty crazy because you spend every four years training for an event like this and when you get to the event you know it's pure tunnel vision and you're focused on the first game and then when that game ends you're you're moving on to the next game there's not too much time to dwell on any one game and before you know it you're in a world cup final and you know scoring four goals in the first 16 minutes of the final game was just epic the way we did it, the fashion of how we won, um it didn't really seem real after the fact and you know, we went on, we went to LA Live, and then we had a ticker tape parade in, in New York City, and everything's just kind of continued on. Um, it's been amazing, and it's been just amazing to see how much we've inspired the nation, and not just soccer fans, but fans who don't normally watch, uh, fans who are, you know, from all different backgrounds, um, you know, older, older people, younger people. We've inspired everybody, so it's been pretty surreal. I would have to say I did get a bit emotional. I think it was about a couple weeks when I got back, and the local club, the Medford Strikers uh, soccer club that I'm affiliated with, put on a ceremony for me. 
you had people speak and, you know, had a party afterwards with my close family and friends. And I think that was the the day where everything kind of sunk in. I could sit back, I could watch clips of the game and um, just got really emotional about it. That's pretty neat. Um, and that's, that's got to hit home, especially um, given the, the closeness of everyone. Um, but it's, it's been kind of right back to, to work for you. I mean, you, you came back with with the dash one player of the month for, for NWSL right away. Um, and now you guys are in, in the midst of a, of a playoff chase. Uh, do you feel kind of a bit of a burden to perform, um, immediately after the world cup, given the, the added spotlight on the league now and, and, you know, the, the buzz added attendance, things like that. Yeah, it's definitely tough. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to, to kind of ride that wave on the world stage and then keep on kind of going with that, that same mentality when you get to the league. But it's really important for us to be playing in it, to uh, give it our all. Um, you know, I know that for me personally, I've been kind of flying in and out for this last month just because I've had to take care of a lot of things and um, just really take advantage of the time. So it's been, you know, it's been a little hard and, you know, I'm not one to kind of want to be away from my team setting, but at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm still out there promoting the league and promoting Houston and the national team. So it's, um, you know, it's good. And, you know, we're, we're just continuing on. We've got this victory tour coming up. We've got, I think Houston has, we've got three games left in the season and then pending playoffs, but um, at some point, you know, maybe in November, we'll get a little bit of time off and then it's right into Olympic qualifying. So it's pretty, pretty busy. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things where eventually we put the world cup behind us and start looking at, uh, towards Olympic qualifying. I guess at what point does, does the victory tour take a competitive turn for you? Because I mean, like, like you said, the qualifiers, are coming up. They're going to be in, in Houston and Dallas, Houston, the semifinals, which, which are the, the real important games in that tournament. That's, that's gotta be nice for you. Um, and some of your teammates who are also on the dash. Um, but you know, you want to take a victory lap. You want to send off Lauren holiday and, and Shannon box and anyone else who might be moving on. Um, but at the same time, you got to prepare. So I, I guess how deep into this tour does, does that happen? Or is it right away? Yeah, it's uh there's a lot of different factors. Um, you know, we now know that Jill is going to be sticking around for a while. So I think that when we meet up in Pittsburgh and Tennessee, I think, you know, she'll probably kind of give us an outline as far as what's to come uh, for the rest of the year and, and what her vision is and what she's thinking. Um, it is a victory tour. It is a, a celebration tour. But at the same time, um, you know, come February, we do have those Olympic qualifying games. So, I would imagine, you know, December is going to be pretty important with games and, and even, you know, October playing Brazil. Um, I would imagine, you know, maybe these these first couple of games in the victory tour uh, will will kind of be, you know, one where everybody plays and, um, you know, but but I don't know. I don't know what Jill's thinking. I mean, for me, um, you know, I still go out there with the mindset of wanting to win. And I think our our whole team feels the same way. So. Um, it's, it's going to be really kind of up to Jill and, and her vision and what she sees, um, coming in the next months leading into uh, Olympic qualifying. I mean, she should just do what, what she did in Japan, right? Against Japan. 
that that seemed to work out okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think the the plan worked pretty well. Uh, part of that plan was, uh, and and part of the the real turn for the team. I I thought a lot of people thought. I think you guys all all talked about it as well. Was was Morgan Bryan? I know Olivia, you, you've got something. You know, you you're a big proponent of of what Bryan was able to do. Um, so take it away. I know you got a couple questions about that. Yeah, I mean that was really. I thought was the turning point of the tournament for you guys. It was, it was kind of ironic in my mind that it came because of a suspension because obviously Lauren Holiday couldn't play and then all of a sudden uh, Morgan Bryan gets thrown into this really important role and she does really well and it seems like that really, um, it didn't change the team completely because obviously she'd been with the team from the start but it really, uh, what I like to say is it really gave you especially the freedom to um, do what it is that you do, and it really kind of—I like to say that it unleashed Carly Lloyd. Um, wh- what did you think of kind of her performance, and and what uh, moving her into midfield did for the team? Yeah, I mean, I think it was tremendous. I mean, I, I'm a big believer in kind of things happen for a reason. If you just put your head down and keep chipping away day in and day out, good things are going to happen. Um, you know, it was was pretty crazy. I remember. Jill kind of meeting with me before the China match and just kind of going over what what some of her thoughts were as far as pushing me higher, having Morgan just solely sit and, and worry about that. Um, and then, you know, just kind of give me the freedom to go. And it paid off getting a, a goal in that game. And um, I just felt, you know, a, just a, a big kind of little weight lifted off. You know, I was able to kind of go and do my thing. I I didn't worry about making mistakes. I knew I was going to make mistakes out there, but if if you don't take any risks, you're not going to come away with success. So, um in order to do that, you you need to go for it and you need to take those risks and that's just kind of what I did. I mean, I I I live for those moments to be able to kind of take my team uh on the back of my shoulders and and get it done. Um to me, that's it's fun and I know that me personally and, and the team, we got off to a little bit of a slow start, but uh, you know, just kept reminding myself it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And I think that we surely finished pretty strong in that tournament. Yeah, certainly. And from a tactical standpoint, it was an interesting shift, I thought, um, with you know, having you and Lauren in central midfield, it looked you know, something like a, a double six or a double eight at times where it, it was, like you say, it, from an outsider's perspective, it looked like both of you were kind of a little bit worried about holding back a little because obviously you don't have that designated defensive midfielder sitting behind you. But at the same time, when when Morgan Bryan went in there, she's not exactly your prototypical defensive midfielder either. She plays higher up the field. That's where she played in college. She can pick passes. Um, I mean, was that just a, a, a conscious choice that they, they said, all right, you're just going to have to sit here and, and play this role for us? Or was, um, I mean, what was the thinking behind that? Well, I think our, our group was a really tough group. And um, I think that, you know, we wanted to come out of the group first. Um, we were a little bit defensive minded, I would say. It was almost like we were two blocks of four and the forwards were kind of up there. Um, just felt really far from them, a little disconnected. We just couldn't really kind of get our mojo going. And once I got the green light to to do what I do best, um, I knew that I had to run with it. 
and I had to make something happen because uh, we weren't scoring a lot of goals and we, you know, was taking us a little bit to get going. But I thought Morgan coming in at such a young age and being plugged into there, um, she did really well. You know, she accepted her role. She did what she needed to do and um, it worked out. And, and for me, I think throughout my career, you know, I've been doing all the dirty work for quite some time, um, box-to-box midfielder, holding mid at times. And, um, you know, it's fun to be able to play higher up on the field, to be able to take risks, do what I do, attack. Um, you know, it's definitely more of my my natural position and I really enjoy it. Yeah, everybody likes to score goals. I mean, I I played goalkeeper, and I would always dream about scoring goals rather than saving them. So I don't know what that <laughs> says. Um, and the last thing I wanted to ask you about was, uh, you know, in speaking to Jill about her contract extension, you know, she mentioned a lot, uh, you know, about the player pool and kind of the, the turnover that's naturally going to happen now because of the players who are, are retiring and. And, uh, you know, it's a new cycle, sort of. You know, obviously, got the Olympics coming up very quickly, but it's a new World Cup cycle. Um, and I wanted to ask you, since you play in NWSL, um, who is going to be this next um, Morgan Bryan type, this younger player who nobody really has seen so far, nobody's really talking about, but uh, she might be the next uh, game changer for the national team. Is there a young player or two who maybe you play with in Houston or maybe you've, you've played against around the league who you think... Uh, if she gets her chance, uh, we'll be able to to kind of run with it with the national team. Um, you know, it's it's kind of hard. Um, I, I mean, I think there's lots of talented players out there. The NWSL, you know, it's a little bit of a different um, a different scene, and there is a, a bit of a jump from the NWSL to the international level, as there should be. Um, but I think it's just really all about being consistent and you know there there's players that just kind of need to get their feet wet get in the system you know go about their business on a daily basis grind away go through ups and downs Um, but it really comes down to just being able to be in the national team environment and play consistently every day you, you pretty much need to bring your a game um because there'll be somebody who will just come right by and and take your spot. So I can't really think of any players at the moment uh, who, you know, could play at this level. I think it's more about just kind of getting people in the mix and seeing what they can do. I mean, you see from Julie Johnston just getting some time and, um, you know, putting her head down and, and getting to work. I mean, Becky kind of grew from the league as well so there's definitely players out there it's just a matter of being able to to play consistently at this level crystal dunn uh what have you thought of of her and obviously she was kind of on that that cusp of of making the team this summer but uh what have you thought of her play she's done really well i mean she's an exceptional player i think that you know she was young and and needed to learn some things and um i've had conversations with her and uh have tried to kind of let what I do on and off the field uh, rub off on her a little bit. I think that um, we all can learn from really tough situations, and I know that she was really bummed and um, you know at an all-time low with confidence. And then to be able to to go back into the league and to perform and score goals and do really well, um, you know, that's credit to Crystal uh, for 
for pushing even harder. And I think that she will have grown so much more having gone through this situation than maybe if she did make it um, and didn't see much time. Um, it's unfortunate, you know, we all can't make teams and there's, there's different situations where you want to play, you want to be out there. But I think for her, uh, sometimes you just need to go through those really tough times in order to, to get back up and, and come back twice as better. And from, from what we understand, it's, it's basically going to be the, the world cup team, at least in these first couple of games, um, against Costa Rica. Um, and obviously you got Australia and Brazil coming up as well. Um, Australia, I'm curious, actually, did you notice after the USA Australia game in in the group stage, the LCFA on their own website, they published a game recap that threw a lot of shade at you guys and, and kind of praised themselves. Obviously Australia showed really well. They're a very good team. I'm I'm curious if you read that and if that resonated at all. Uh, no, I mean, I, I didn't really read it. Um, I kind of just tried to stay in my own world and focus on myself. Um, but you know, it's, they played well, they, they had a, a good world cup and sometimes it's not how you play and, uh, not necessarily if you're the, the better team, it's about putting chances away and, um, putting more chances away than the other team. So, that's what we did. And, um, you know, credit to them. They, they're a great team. They, I thought they did really well this world cup, but, uh, you know, everybody's going to talk, everybody's going to say something. Um, it is what it is really. I'm just trying to picture us soccer, putting out a, a game story <laughs> after a loss that, yeah, that well, destroys think, an opponent. <laughs> yeah. I think we, uh, we definitely take a different route. Yeah, probably approach there. <laughs> Um, one thing that, that I found interesting, given all of the, the talk about the turf in Canada, um, you know, a bunch of these games coming up are, are going to be on turf. Does that bother you at all? I mean, obviously you guys played well enough on, on turf and won the World Cup. Um, but I, 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 that just kind of stood out to me. Really? What games are on turf? Is the Pittsburgh, Tennessee at all? Um, Orlando, Seattle. Orlando, yeah. Yeah. Does that... I mean, does it make a difference for you at at this point? Um, Well, I mean, what makes me really smile and happy is just knowing the fact that the Olympics are not going to be played on turf because (laughs) leading up to the World Cup, uh, you know, we were training on turf a a good amount. And uh, it's just it's just terrible. I mean, it's terrible on your body. It's just it's really honestly the worst. Uh, The bounce is bad. There's just so many bad things about it and in Canada every field was different practice fields game fields uh there was no consistency within any of the turf fields which was pretty crazy so I would say the Vancouver one was truest to to grass a bit uh it was you know a bit thicker but uh it's you know it's something that we really want to get away from this next year, obviously, because we just we trained a ton of it, a ton on it this past year, and it's uh, none of us like it. Well, just looking down the list, the the stadium in Tennessee, uh, according to Wikipedia, anyway, does have turf. Uh, Ford Field in Detroit, that's turf. CenturyLink Field here in my backyard in Seattle is turf, and the Citrus Bowl in in Orlando is also turf. So that's and that's Wonderful. four out of the scheduled six games so far. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> That's just put a damper on things. 
(laughs) (laughs) Well, Olympic qualifying, at least in in Dallas and Houston, um, will not be. And like you said, the Olympics in in Brazil. Um, Yeah, it's – look, worst comes to worst, you just got to chip the goalkeeper, right? It doesn't matter the surface. Yeah, exactly. I know. (laughs) I'm curious if you've allowed yourself to think as far as the uh, FIFA gala that'll take place uh, in the winter, naturally winning a, a golden ball at a World Cup, you figure to be in the mix for for World Player of the Year. Um, obviously, that's something you stated you want to be the best in the world and, and you're in position to, to be crowned as that. Um, I'd... I'm curious if you were to meet Sepp Blatter one-on-one. He's obviously had plenty to say about the women's game. Um, <laughs> he's had uh, some incidents with Abby Wambach, Alex Morgan, that they've they've talked about. Would you shake his hand? Would you have anything you'd, you'd want to say to him? Would you just kind of go through the motions there? Uh, you know, I haven't thought about it. I mean, the, the first step is actually getting there. I mean, you just never know with FIFA. Uh, <laughs> No matter what what you've done in the World Cup, who knows? Um, not getting too overly excited about that yet, but it would be truly an honor to be able to be there and be a part of that. I mean, it is something that personally for me is what I want to accomplish. Um, so I haven't really thought about it. I mean, who knows if he'll even be there? I mean, that's could be a good question. Um, but hopefully, if I were to meet him. I'm hoping that he would have some sort of sense of who I was and what I did in the World Cup. But, um, yeah, I'm not really sure. I'll have to think that one over. That's that's really asking a lot of the FIFA president, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, you just never know about that. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, uh, I think that that's all we really have for you today. We really appreciate you taking the time um you've obviously got a, a busy few weeks ahead between uh, a couple matches against costa rica august 16th in pittsburgh 19th in chattanooga tennessee and then it's back to the the playoff chase with with houston do you think you're, you'll end up playing I, I know you guys got a game against seattle again uh two days later after the game in, in tennessee and i mean you've done the the day after fly in fly out kind of thing before but do you anticipate playing in, in that first game back yeah, I mean, that's the plan right now. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with the victory tour, what what Jill's thinking. Um, but, you know, I'll prepare my mind and be ready for anything. I know that, you know, the mind is everything and uh, it, it will be tough. It, it is a quick turnaround, but it's not something that we haven't done before. Uh, but, you know, you just want to be smart and not risk any injuries. Uh, but I guess we'll just have to kind of gauge on how our bodies are feeling. Um, it's uh a lot of games in the next couple of weeks for us, but, um, yeah, we'll be all right. Yeah. Well, and you did, uh, the seven game swing in, in the world cup. Okay. So we'll see, uh, we'll see you about the next few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well again, Carly Lloyd, thank you so much for joining us. Good luck, uh, in the next, uh, you know, in the playoff chase and these victory tour games and congratulations again on, on winning the world cup and more importantly being on the sports illustrated cover. I mean, let's be honest. That yes, was, that was pretty remarkable. I must was, say that was a brilliant idea on, on your guys's part. <laughs> well, we appreciate <laughs> you guys taking part in it as well. Uh, so thank you again for your time. Yeah. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. You got it. All right. Well, Grant and Brian, your uh, your place on the podcast might be 
in jeopardy that was great thanks again to uh to carla for joining us carly of course was in seattle last night we're taping this on a thursday uh leave you you are in seattle where the the sounders are making some news they have struggled mightily uh injuries suspension to clint dempsey uh, they started the season as one of the supporters shield favorites in mls and now i believe they've lost eight out of nine um it's mls it's a forgiving schedule you can lose a massive amount of games in a row a la the new england revolution last year and still make it to mls cup final um but they've made a number of signings this week and, and last week as well i'm curious on on your take on on the team and where things kind of stand with them the expectations are are high and, and right now they're not meeting them well in seattle i think the expectations are always high for for every sports team when they show that they can win a couple games people suddenly expect them to uh to win it all so uh, i know you're a patriots fan so we, we'll talk about the super bowl at some point later but uh no it's um you know uh it, it's kind of interesting to me looking at the way that this team has been built obviously uh, at the beginning of the season it looked great right uh, clint dempsey obafemi martins are playing well everybody's clicking and you know integrating some new guys with various amounts of success but it didn't really matter because the the big guns were firing and they were scoring goals like crazy suddenly clint dempsey gets his his red card suspension uh for his open cup meltdown obafemi martins gets hurt um the team is struggling to find goals and you're you're going what happened like you said they've lost eight out of nine and i think nine out of 11 um and it's just been they went a long stretch there they scored something like one goal in a month of play in the league or something like that and it's uh it hasn't been pretty um and it's kind of been interesting to me that you have this this in the offseason, we made so much of Garth Lagerway moving to Seattle, and I, I call—I think I called him the best offseason signing in the league. And yet he hadn't really started making these deals that we got used to seeing him do in Salt Lake, that you know, finding players around the league who were maybe unwanted but still had a lot to give, and then you know, handing them over to Jason Kreiss, who molded them into this, this powerhouse of a franchise. And it's it's interesting to see how that's shifted a little bit in Seattle because they have a little bit more, a few more resources, obviously. So they've have gone abroad for some of their signings, like like you say. I mean, you got Andreas Ivanchitz and and Roman Torres now playing, and uh, you know it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of come together in this because as as Ziggy Schmidt said after the Whitecaps game, when when Dempsey came back, he said, you know, I, I never thought it was going to be as easy as okay, these guys are back now, it's going to start happening again. You know, it's, it's not quite that simple. And uh, so I guess the, the real question now is how quickly can these guys get integrated? How, if at all, will it change the way the Sounders play? And what can they do um, the last uh, 10 games or so of the season that they have left? And that, yeah, that, that 100% is the question. Because on paper now, they, they look like they can contend. I don't think anyone's contending with, with the Galaxy, um, personally. But uh, Roman Torres, I, it's a great signing. I, I believe Lagerway was, was the one who compared him to Hamas and Olave, and I think that's, that's spot on. Just a physical guy who's going to win everything in the air. Um, he can get you some goals as well, I mean, as we saw in, uh, in the Gold Cup. Um, so it's it'll be fascinating to see what happens. They're not you know they're not even the big dogs in in Cascadia right now. Vancouver's is playing incredibly well, and and Portland's right up there as well. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting few weeks ahead in in Seattle, and then you know if they make the playoffs, obviously then the spotlight 
gets brighter. Um, I know Adrian Hanauer stood by Siggy Schmidt, um, and this hasn't been the the most straightforward of seasons. But you wonder if if things go awry or these these signings don't pan out. Um, you know, we haven't seen a, a coach fired this year for for doing a lot worse. But uh, you, you know, it's it's got to be on the table. Yeah, you'd think so. I mean, this has kind of been a question the last few. There was a couple of years ago when the Sounders lost to the Timbers in the playoffs, and and everyone was saying, "Oh, is he going to stay? Is he going to go? What's the deal?" And he ended up staying then. And they've showed, uh, like you said, they've showed a lot of faith in him. And um, I mean, obviously, being the winningest uh, coach in MLS history helps your resume a little bit. It helps you say, "Hey, look, I can turn this around." But um, you know, you you do have to wonder, especially with. Uh, kind of the resources that have recently been poured into this, whether um, they might think about making a change. The, the other question, obviously, is if they did, where would they go for this uh, this other coach? I mean, it's it's hard, to, it's hard to say. Brian Schmetzer, the Sounders assistant, has stepped in whenever uh, Ziggy was either, you know, um, uh, when he was suspended or when he was otherwise unable to coach, and he's done okay, but would he be an everyday type of MLS head coach? I, I don't know. It's... It's not for me to say because I don't know what happens behind the scenes every day, obviously, but um, that would be interesting. And, you know, like you say, it, it's it's really been astounding to watch the rest of Cascadia this year kind of leapfrog Seattle, especially Vancouver. I mean, Vancouver is is just firing on all cylinders. They've got a, a young coach who is putting a lot of faith in his young players and they're getting results. And they, you know, in in my mind, uh, this they're doing what every team in MLS should do and they're they're putting their faith in, in younger players coming through they have the most uh, homegrown players um, currently playing for the team with eight uh, in the league and uh, they're really doing interesting things when it comes to beating Seattle three nothing and you know beating LA and and they're playing very creative attacking soccer at home and they're going on the road and grinding out results and uh, you know it's it's been really fun to watch. It has been for sure, and it's. I feel like it's good for MLS when when the Cascadia teams are are in the news and and doing things uh, well. That's you know obviously the the fan support and and then just the the rivalries and and how they manifest themselves on the field. Um, so interesting times ahead in the Pacific Northwest. I know you'll have a, a good view of that. Uh, now before we close, um, just want to play a little bit of an interview we had with uh, with Jens Lehmann, uh, former Arsenal Germany goalkeeper. He stopped by our studios uh, at SIHQ this week to talk a little about the Bundesliga, which is beginning Friday with Bayern Munich playing against Hamburg in the first game. Um, Bayern Munich, obviously the overwhelming favorite, uh, as they should be. Um, But there are some contenders. Um, So Lehman talked about that, among other things, during this interview, along with Pep Guardiola and and his reign at, at Bayern. Also talked about... Uh, Peter Cech moving to Arsenal and, and also playing for Jurgen Klinsmann, which he did uh, with the German national team. But anyway, we'll let Jens take it away uh, with this clip from the interview and be sure to catch the rest of it on Planet Football. It's going to be a very exciting season. Bayern Munich is a well-known um, worldwide football club, but there are some other teams like Borussia Dortmund, traditional clubs, Schalke uh, 04, and um, these teams like to play each other. That's, the tradition is very big, uh, very, very heavily amongst these clubs. And of course, in comparison to the English Premier League, the Bundesliga has kept up with a lot of space and intensity. The qualities of the players became better. The uh, intense competition at the top end, fighting relegation, 
has increased a lot. That's why I think soccer fans from America should follow now as well the German Bundesliga. So there you have it. Uh, I I know he says there are teams that can contend with Bayern. I don't see it happening. But uh, look, Bayern, Bundesliga, it's all uh, games will be able to be seen on, on Fox this year. I think it's a good thing for American uh, soccer fans. It's not just the Premier League easily accessible. Obviously, if you, you get the whole package, then you can watch any league in the world. That's pretty much where we are in, in the U.S. right now. But uh, but Bundesliga on TV in the U.S., that's, that's a good thing. Um, so... Keep an eye out for that. And with that, I think we're going to wrap it up and call it a day. I um, want to thank Carly Lloyd again for, for joining us in the midst of her hectic schedule. The U.S. Women's National Team again returning to action on Sunday in Pittsburgh against Costa Rica. Leave you, Bird. Thank you again. And uh, Brian and Grant will be back soon. So keep an eye out for that. Thanks for listening as always. And we will talk to you guys next week. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network? Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.